God about, I know what I'm doing on Sundays, but I, I, I've been seeking God about Wednesdays again, and you know, I'd started Proverbs, and I definitely want to finish them. And uh, I had sought God, and said, God, what, what kind of focus? I, I know what the church is doing, I know how you're operating in the church. Um, what can I, what do I need to do? What kind of teaching will take us further? And God directed me back to Proverbs, just boom spoke it to me and, and it was it was almost very direct very if I can use the word very curt uh, he directed me right back to it and and I said well you know God I can always do that and he said that the problem when we get and this is what he spoke to me he said the problem has always been with this church that we have always got to the point where we are now and allowed the storms and the cares of life to erode our foundation. And when our foundation begins to erode, then we start having cracks in the building. And so he said, what we need to do, and what our failure has been, is to go back and to put new support and renew and reshore, if you would, the foundation so that we don't have that happen. And I, I went to the point where I had left off, and I was going to start there, and I got redirected. I'm in the same chapter. But the one particular verse, which I'm starting with that verse, and I'm going to say who's, ever, who's up there. There you are. I'm going to start with Proverbs 18 and 14. Now, that's not where I'd intended on starting. But I'm going to take my time with this particular verse. And it's going to be in the Amplified. I hope I put that down. Uh, it's going to be in the Amplified. And I want, to, I want you to understand this. I think probably more than anything else, that we need to have understanding on what this scripture is saying for us as a church and as a body to move forward with the kind of spirit that we have and we, we've had in the church and will continue to have if we don't allow the cares of life to start destroying the foundation that we have built. It's so vital because the enemy will love to come in and do whatever he possibly can. All right? The... Uh, in fact, I'm just going to read off here out of the Amplified. It says, The strong spirit of a man sustains him in bodily pain or trouble. But a weak and a broken spirit, who can raise up or bear? And in the King James, the spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity. But a wounded spirit, who can bear that? A wounded spirit. <clears throat> let, me, let me give you just a little of what I felt in the Holy Ghost when I started praying about that, because I, when God directed me there. We can worship and love God, and we can get over things, or think we get over things. Wounds that go back for years, or maybe happened last week, or maybe even last month. And we can think we've got it all under control, and we feel good in the Holy Ghost. There's nothing wrong with that. Please understand that. But sometimes what we do is we just simply run over the thing. And we say, we're supposed to feel a certain way, and I'm going to feel that way. I can't let this wound bother me, which we shouldn't let things bother me. But somewhere along the line, if you continue to go without coming back and putting in the proper fixings, if you would, to this wound, the, uh, the antibiotics of the spirit, whatever it takes to seal this thing up, more than a Band-Aid, we need sometimes to stitch this thing up so tightly that God is going to be able to heal it, and it's not going to be a rogue bump for us any longer. Some people can do this all their life serving God. 
they'll come to a revival and they'll, they'll I've I got to get over this. You know, the pastor's preached it. The evangelist has preached it. It's been taught. I've got to get over this. But really, instead of taking care of it and getting it once and for all, this one particular wound taken care of, we just keep bandaging over it and going on. And before long, something happens that will remind us, and that will break open again and begin to bleed, and there you are down. You were such a strong spiritual person. You were such a worshiper, such a lover of God. But you still have this same thing that you have to go back when you could have really got into that dimension that we all want to get into. When you could have gotten into it this time because you had the support of the whole church, everybody was there. So that's when we can begin to climb up and get out of that hole that we get into. Sometimes, folks, we do climb up on one another's shoulders. We do. And I hope that the person who climbs up on mine will reach down and help me out. Okay, that's what I hope. And so what we do is we, 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 we get to that point, but we can't quite get out because we go back. The devil, he cuts that thing open somehow. And there you are laying on the bottom of the hole again bleeding. And you've done this for 35 years. I want, us to, I want us to really get over this. Let's just get some things to, to not just sustain us, but to get us out of it. To fix us. God wants to fix us. He wants to fix us. You know, being melancholy, I, it's interesting because I got this, and I'm going to talk about being melancholy, and I've, you know, I got a melancholy spirit. And uh, I'm sitting eating at, at Disney World, and the one Disney character that comes up and gives me a back rub is Eeyore. Yeah. I look in this mirror and there's this donkey. And he's giving me a back rub. And I thought, my Lord, get that devil out of here. I said, I don't need that spirit. <laughs> you know, your spirit is a two-edged sword. It's a two-edged sword. It can cut away life's troubles. This is the spirit we've got. Now, I'm not talking about the spirit of God being mixed with us yet. I'm just talking about our spirit. We're going to talk about the Holy Ghost later. I'm just talking about what we have as a human being. It can cut away life's troubles, and it can leave you happy, and it can leave you on top of the world. Or it can bleed your soul to where the pain cannot be described. It's a two-edged sword. A wounded spirit is much more painful than a wounded body. And I know that there are people that can concur with that completely. You know I'm telling the truth. As a spirit is more vital to our existence in the body. It's not about my body. It's not about my aches and pains. It's not about my foot hurting or my or arthritis or whatever problem we may have. It's what's in here that makes the difference. It's what's in here that makes you continue to go when you don't feel like going. So that spirit has to be kept in the right condition. And if you allow any difficulty or sorrow to gain the victory over your spirit, that, that, that pain, and let me, when I say pain, I'm talking about crushing pain. Crushing pain can be so intolerable, and, and it can be so bad that foolish people can actually seek death to overcome a wounded spirit. Ruled and directed by wisdom, your spirit can help you survive any difficulty. Now, you hear me, any difficulty. Allowed to rule you, if you allow your spirit to rule you, when wounded, it is unbearable to you and to everybody that's around you. 
ruled and directed by the Spirit of God, you can be cheerful in any adversity. Allowed to run free, it can and will drive even sober and wise men to suicide. So let me ask you this question. Are you ruling your spirit today? Are you in charge and are you in charge with wisdom? Natural men have done incredible things. And folks, we could, we could take all kinds of time right now to talk about the, the things that people have done under horrible stress and pain and danger and difficulty by a strong and courageous spirit. It's one of the things that the men, I, I've, I've, I've taught it before to the men years back about what really courage is, what true courage is. Because uh, in, a, in a man's world, a man has to be courageous. You know, it's not about going out and killing the, 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 the lion barehanded or beating up the bear with your fist. I'm talking about courageous in life. I'm talking about so courageous that, that you can stand in the face of adversity when you don't have a job, when things are going against you and your kids are turned the other way, but you stand firm and you say, we're going to serve God. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what comes against me. I'm going to go to church. You're going to go to church. We're going to do something right. We're going to have a strong family. I don't care what anybody says. Nothing is going to change. That is a courageous spirit. That is the kind of courage that every man, woman, and child needs to have when it comes to serving God. They need to have that. So it's something that you have to have. Now, And you look at these people that have gone through without, without what we have. And their exploits are wonderful to read about, and we've all read about them. But a, but a Christian, a person full of the Holy Ghost, can do even better. You think about what I'm saying. As a Holy Ghost-filled person... You know what this present reality is. We know. Every bad thing that happens to us, we've either brought it on ourselves or the devil's trying to do something. Every Wednesday, when I start doing some, some studying, I come over to the church and something's broke down in my office. This time I was going to do it at home, something was broke down at home. And so I go in and my, my copier don't work. And, and, I, and I go down, I'm going to send everything I'm going to copy down to the one down in the front, and someone's locked the door, and my key don't unlock it. I'm serious. And so I go in and said, there's got to be a key in this box that works. Well, thank God that, that, that Brian had, had he, all the keys were all nice and labeled, and I found it, and I found this master key, and I stuck it in there, and it was like I had to, I had to hulk out to turn it. It was one of those. I was going to break the key any second. And I finally got in there and got it done. But it took a battle to do it. This is the present reality. But you know what? Now what can we do? We can get all melancholy and depressed about this and say it's all Roxanne's fault. Yeah. Yeah, I could say that. I could, I, you know, I, could, I could blame it and get all, you know, it's just, well, the devil didn't want me to, you know, and I have almost been to that point. Now, anybody ever know where I'm talking about? Ever got to the point where you just say, what is the use Is the use. Or if you're a Christian, you say, now I know what's going on here. I'm obviously on the right track. So what's important is I finish this thing out. So if I have to bust a window out or knock a door down, I will. So we'll get the job done. You understand what I'm saying? That's the present reality. Why get melancholy about it and give up? Why give up? Why, why, why do that? It, it doesn't make any sense because we understand 
this present reality. And not only that, we understand the future. We have future expectations. I know that God's going to do something great in the future. I'm not just talking about the rapture of the church. I'm talking about in the near future. We're going to have something great happen for us. Each and every individual that has prayed and believed God, God is about to do something great. I've got future expectations, so why be melancholy? So we've got that. We've got future expectations. We've got the sustaining help of the Spirit of the Lord. We've got the Holy Ghost. Let me just put it easy for us. And, and, and the, you know, these are the things that the folks outside the church don't have a clue about. And they go through the same problems that we do. But they don't have all this knowledge that we've got. They don't understand what's going on around them. We need to keep ourselves on the higher plane that God has placed us on when it comes to our knowledge and our understanding and what the Holy Ghost has invested in us. Ruling your spirit is the best evidence of Christian maturity. It is the best evidence. Fighting heretics or troubles on the outside is easy. It really is. Oh, it's real easy. You can get in a big debate on, over somebody out there about the Holy Ghost, about speaking in tongues. You know, that's, that, that's not a big deal. Come on, it's not. That, that, you can do that easy, but ruling a melancholy spirit on the inside is a whole lot more difficult. Growing in grace and bearing the Spirit's fruit will result in the wise rule of your spirit. It's us with wisdom ruling our spirit. It's saying, no, I'm not going to allow this to happen. No, I'm not going to allow this to happen. Some of you have fought this and fought this and fought this. Why don't you make a decision tonight? I'm not going to let my spirit rule me anymore. I'm going to rule it through the power of the Holy Ghost that is in me. I'm going to rule this thing. I'm going to rule it. Nothing that you ever will do in life is more important than being able to rule your spirit. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. If you let it rule you, you're going to be a loser. And you can look at Proverbs 25, 28, and it will tell you that. If you rule it, the Bible says in uh, Proverbs 16, 32, you are greater than a man who can take a city. That's what it tells you. When Job ruled his spirit, I want you to watch this. This is good. I, I found this and I... Uh, you know, I, I've thought about it before, but I never really put it together quite like this. When Job ruled his spirit, he blessed the Lord through his life, or excuse me, though his life was falling to pieces. Now, you can see that in Job one twenty through 22. Now, she don't have to get that, but it's Job one twenty and 22, that he was blessing the Lord even though his life was falling apart. Follow me. Follow me closely. When Job let his spirit run wild with thoughts about his reversal of fortune... He cursed the day that he was born and wished he was dead. You can see that in Job 3, 1 through 26. Now look at that. And he went downhill from there until both Elihu and, and God blasted him for self-justification. You can see that in Job 32 and 2 and 38, 1 through 3. Now, what, I'm going to ask you this question. What do you think about this? What did Job do wrong? What happened? What happened between Job 1, 20, and 22 and Job 3 and 1? What happened to Job? Anybody want to raise your hand? Let's just get in. What happened to Job? Because there's an answer to this. And, and if we can understand this answer, I think all of us can be better. Anybody? Raise your hand now. Raise your hand. You put your hand up. <laughs> okay. 
Well, now remember, he went to the negative. What happened? What caused him to do that? Anybody else? No. Go ahead. Yeah, but what caused him to think, go ahead. There you go. Let's just put it, let's just put it, I mean, really, that's the gist of it. He thought too much. Now, you get me. Some of you big thinkers out there, your brains will get you in trouble. I know firsthand. The more you think, the dumber you get. <laughs> okay, let's look at this. Now, now stop and think what I'm, what I'm saying here. This was negative self-reflection. Negative self-reflection is ungodly and unproductive. Now, now let, let me qualify my remark. The Bible tells us to examine ourselves to see whether we be in the, in the faith. Self-examination is good, but self-reflection leading to self-pity leading to self-pity, anger, and depression is destructive. Whenever you start thinking and you start going down the road to self-pity and self-destruction and depression, then you are on the wrong road. How do you overcome that? What do you do? Let's get some hands up. What do you do when you begin to go down that road? How do you stop going down the road that I'm talking about? Hands up. Go ahead. All right. You're reading the promise. What else? Anybody? Hands up. Anybody else? Go ahead. Good. Go ahead. That's exactly right. You do it every day. But but let, let, let's let's take that a little bit further. That you can stop this. That this is this is where, you know, we always have the pat answers of what do you do when you're in bad shape? You fast and you pray. But this is where you fast and pray. This is what lets you know it's time to fast and pray. I, I I've told this story before, and this is this is a true story. And this is a, this is years ago when I first got in church. This, this young man that I knew, he was, uh, I think he was out of the Worthington Church. And uh, he had had seven devils cast out of him. The, the preacher that did it, he, he acknowledged that this happened. And now, now think about what I'm doing. This, 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 and this can be placed in the same area. So this, this young man, because he was so familiar with those seven spirits, they would come on him and try to get back. Now he was full of the Holy Ghost. But they would come on it because a demon can get in your flesh whether you're full of the Holy Ghost or not. It doesn't get in your spirit. It gets in your flesh. So this thing tried to come back on him. Wherever he was, he would stop and he would pray till he got rid of the feeling or got rid of the spirit that was coming against him. Believe me, if you're melancholy, there is a demon out there that's got melancholy written on his head that will come after you every time he gets the opportunity. And this is where you know when you're starting to go down. I got to find a place to pray. I got to pray till I get through. Now, 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 now. Don't, 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 don't stop there. Okay, I won't. When you pray and you're fighting this kind of spirit, 
You don't get down to let prayer become a time of self-reflection in the negative. You can get down at this altar and rehearse every bad thing that's ever happened to you in your whole life and get up feeling worse than you did when you got down there. That's not the place. This is a place where I preached the one time about beginning to adore God and thank God for what He's done for you. Folks, listen. Every one of us in here knows that we're a whole lot better off than we would have been had we not been in church. Sometimes you just have to go back and you have to thank God for what He brought you out of over and over and over again until it starts getting in your heart and you begin to believe it. You see, we're going we're gonna to break this out of some of you. Some of you have got potential to be great soul winners. Some of you have got potential to be great prayer warriors. But you've got to get this wounded spirit taken care of. You've got to get this thing completely healed away because we, we serve a healer. God is not intended for you to stay wounded the rest of your life. He doesn't intend for you to stay that way to the rapture of the church. Let me take it one step further. Job should not only have fasted and prayed, but he should have asked his friends to join him. That's what the men are doing now. Thank you, Brother Krauss, Brother Fox. Thank you for what you're doing. I feel it in the Holy Ghost. I I don't have to see it. I feel it. I feel more of a freedom in in, in my preaching than I've felt in years. I, I do, and it's because... It's because of what these men are doing. Jake, all of you, just uh, I see what you're doing. And I'm just, I, I see Chris, you know, I'm so proud of Chris walking back and forth up here. I, I, that makes me proud, if I can be proud, okay? A, all right, proud in a godly way. All right. You know, watch, I was going to teach on pride after all. I can't be too much. <laughs> I'll never get there. So <clears throat> anyway, you know, that, that, that is, you have people that help you. That's what we need. That's why we need fellowship. That's why we need one another. We need to be able to stand on somebody else's shoulders. We need someone to be able to, to help us when our knees get a little bit weak and we start falling back into that melancholy. And, you know, and I'm, I'm down here and I'm trying my best to pray and, and get those negative thoughts, but I just don't seem to be able to. And all of a sudden, somebody next to me, my brother, my sister, whatever it may be, somehow in the Holy Ghost, they understand. They get the discerning. They know that you need help. And they can lay a hand on you. And it can make all the difference in the world. They can whisper one word to you and make all the difference in the world. But instead, Job let melancholy reflection take him straight to foolishness. You can see that in Job 2, 11 through 13. That's what happened to him. When David faced his greatest crisis and running for his life from Saul, when his own friends wanted to stone him, the Bible says that he encouraged himself in the Lord his God in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. And in his true friend, Jonathan, strengthened his hand in God. That's important. Jonathan was right there to strengthen his hand in 1 Samuel 23, 16. Here was a true friend in great contrast to Job's three miserable comforters. I don't need for you to tell me how low and nasty I am when I'm down low and nasty. I already know how low and nasty I am. And sometimes you just, you know, all of us are different in how we can be dealt with. You know, I, I, my wife can tell me, get up and be a man, and I can get mad, and I'll get over it. But you don't need to tell me that. 
right? You know, I just need someone to say, I'm praying for you, I'm behind you, and pat me on the back. That's enough. That's enough. That's all we need. Just know that someone else cares. I don't need miserable comforters. A man ruling his spirit in the fear and the joy of the Lord has a continual feast, regardless of the circumstances. But a man allowing his spirit to be afflicted can find evil in every day. Every day you will find it. Ruling your spirit with joy brings a cheerful disposition, but unchecked sorrow breaks the spirit. Now, what a, what a horrible choice that is. A merry heart, the Bible said, heals the soul, but a broken spirit dries up your life. You can come to church and you can be faithful to church for 50 years and have a dried up spirit. You just becomes a, a becomes a, a, an exercise that you just do. You just, this is what I'm supposed to do, but you've forgotten why you come to church. You just simply come because you're expected to come. Somewhere along the line, something was lost. And your spirit begins to dry up. That's because you don't allow the wound to heal. And you know what I'm talking about. Some of you have been in church for some years, and you've seen people. Some of you have dealt with it. You know exactly what I'm saying. You've seen people that come in, and they come, and they're just, there's nothing good about church. There's nothing good about God. Oh, they'll, they'll tell you God is good, but in their heart, they don't mean it. They're mad. They've been hurt, and that wound has festered, and it's become, they've become so bitter, they forgot their reason for living. My God, don't let that happen to you. Do whatever it takes to get this thing healed. Somewhere along the line, you just got to take, you just got, whoever wounded me, 50 years ago, God bless them and make sure they make it to heaven and help me to deal with this myself. I'm not going to blame them anymore. You cannot be healed and blame someone else for your trouble. You cannot. It's got somewhere along the line, you have to take possession of this. Or you're going to have a dried up life. It's possible, the Bible says in Habakkuk 3.17, to dance in economic collapse. Read it. Peter and John rejoiced to be beaten by the Jews in Acts 5. Stephen prayed for his murderers in Acts 7. Paul and Silas sang in a dungeon in Acts 16. Paul had a picnic in a storm at sea in Acts 27. This is a kind of life that we're to live. This is how we're to operate. The martyrs of God, from Abel to the current persecution in Muslim nations, have suffered the most horrendous tortures with cheerful overcoming spirits by keeping their hearts focused on Jesus Christ by His Spirit. The world is not worthy of these great spirits. They're still going on. It's still happening. It may not be happening here, which I believe it will eventually. But I'm saying that overseas it's still going on. It's still going on. What they have to deal with with Russia, and I think Russia is getting worse, if I'm not mistaken. It's going, kind of going backwards in a lot of what they're doing over there. It's going to be worse. And, the, and the, these Muslim nations, they're going to continue to persecute Christians. And, folks, it may take something like that to get us back, but I, I want McCormick Street Church to have such a good spirit that none of that's going to move us. None of this is going to move us. Feel a little prophetic tonight. King Ahab pouted in bed with his face to the wall and refused to eat because he couldn't have Naboth's vineyard. First Kings twenty one four. He was nothing but a spoiled child. Nothing but a spoiled child. And and no Christian man should act like this towards wife or family. Absolutely none of them. For you 
mark yourself like 1 Kings 21, 25, a very wicked man if you have that spirit. You think about what I'm saying. That marks you. If you're pouting because you can't get what you want. I'll say men, but women the same way. If you can't get what you want, and you can turn your head and you can pout, and you hope that your wife will see it and, you know, she'll take food away from Junior and get you what you want. And I tell you what, there's a lot of us out there, a lot of us. Even Elijah was subject to depression after his great victory over the prophets of Baal when he wished for death. And you think about that one, 1 Kings 19 and 4. We learn his passions were normal in James 5:17. yet being cast down and destroyed. Now follow this. We're two different things. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 11 says that. A ruled spirit might be, and I don't like to use this term. Let, let, let's put it in Robertson terms. A ruled spirit might be disappointed but never cast down. Now, some people would say a world spirit might be discouraged, but let's not use discouraged. I would prefer using disappointed, but not cast down. I can be disappointed. You can be disappointed, but we're not going to dwell there. Dwelling there is where it's wrong. And, you know, don't, don't put yourself the world's worst sinner if you're a little bit disappointed in something that you were hoping for but begin to look through and try to see it in God's eyes to the point where you're understanding that God's doing something completely different. So we, we don't want to... A ruled spirit, again, might be dis, dis, disappointed, but will not, will not turn. Let's just, it'll not turn to sinful, melancholy excesses of self-pity. It's that self-pity that can be so bad on all of us. The early days, it's an interesting story, the early days of World War II cost the British enormous losses of ships and crews by German U-boats. Now, seeking to save lives in, the, in the, hor the horrific events at sea, the British discovered that older, more experienced men had a higher survival rate than younger, more physically fit sailors. More years of life's hardships fortified the spirits of the older men and gave them an advantage over the younger men in survival situations. The head of this research, Kurt Hahn, applied this knowledge in forming what was called the Outward Bound Training Program, which increases a person's fortitude by controlled, progressively more difficult challenges. In other words, they were training their sailors in a way where they put them in hard situations, and as they endured that, they put them in little harder situations then a little harder situation. Now, where did they get that, I wonder? They got that right out of the Scripture. What does God do to all of us? He puts us in a little harder situation, a little harder situation. And it sorts you out real fast. But God knows that there's going to come a time that we're going to use every bit of what we're learning right now. We're going to have to learn to use it. And he puts us in a little harder situation, a little harder situation, until we can endure. That's the reason that every one of us in here, when we see some of the older, and by the way, I guess I can be one of those older people now. You know, I used to point and say these older people, all, us older people. <laughs> you know, 
We look at us older people. There's a reason that they're still sitting there. There's a reason that they're still serving God. They may not be quite as active, but they are still serving God. Why? Because they've been in hard situations. They know how to endure. And they know that they've got a God that took them through every hard situation. They've got a God that has endured with them. They've got a God that has endured with them. And that, that makes all the difference. This principle... Again, of building the Spirit was revealed much earlier than 1941. For the Lord builds our faith and patience, enduring of difficulties the same way. He carefully prepares afflictions and trials to increase our spirit strength. Look at James 1, 2 through 4. James 1, 2 through 4. You got that? There's no way I heard what you just said, but just go ahead and get it for me. There we go. Consider it holy, joyful, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped in or encounter trials of any sort or fall into various temptations. Be assured and understand that the trial and the proving of your faith bring out endurance, steadfastness, and patience. But let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play and, play and do a thorough work so that you may be people perfectly and fully developed with no defects. Like that, don't you? No defects, no wounded spirits, lacking in nothing, no defects. How does God make us defect-free? By putting us in the fires. I could go a whole different direction with that one. whole different direction. Hey, there was a, a form. I'm trying to think of the word. I, have, I got it note somewhere. I can't remember the, what the word meant, but the, the, the word was meant without fault. And, and the word picture that the Greek language used was that they used to, when they made pottery, that some of that pottery would crack when they were making it, and they had a wax. Well, actually, what it meant was without wax. I'm sorry, not fault. It meant without wax. It's one word that meant without wax. And, and the word picture was this pottery that they would use wax, and they would melt the wax, and they'd fill in the defect. And the only way that you would know that thing was really messed up was if you put that pot in the heat. And then that defect would show up. You are hearing me? So some of you that's been in the heat over and over and over again, you just got to get that defect taken care of. And you can't wax over this thing because the heat will just make it come right back out. Oh, my. <clears throat> you will not face any temptation today that you cannot escape and defeat, according to 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It'll come up behind me. Paul could face great adversity and personal infirmities by the knowledge that the Lord's grace would sustain him. And cannot we do the same, knowing that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose, in Romans eight twenty eight. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us, Romans 8.35. The Lord is able to heal our broken hearts and bind up our wounds in Psalm 147, verse 3. Sin will destroy a right spirit, but confession can restore it. You can see that in Psalm 51, verse 10. David groaned under the Lord's heavy hand of chastening in Psalm 32 and 1. But confession and repentance bring refreshment favor and joy according to Job 33:19 The only way and this is where our, another problem that we we come to and I know that this this being human 
always causes this same, at least most people that I know, have the same guilt problem. You do something wrong and you plead the blood and you ask God to forgive you, but the devil keeps running it back through your mind. And this can cause a wound in your spirit because you keep, you keep embracing it over and over and over again when God has already forgotten it. And you see, the devil would love to keep that in you and thinking, I can't make it to heaven because of something I did 15 years ago. And not only will the devil bring it up, but people bring it up. And they bring it up. And they bring it up. They bring it up till you throw up. Sometimes you'd like to throw up in the face of the people that bring it up. Projectile vomitus. <laughs> and folks, I'm going to tell you, you, you've got to have enough confidence in the God that you serve to realize that He knows exactly where you are, where you live, what you have to endure, and He knows your heart. And He knows how serious you are about this. And whether someone else believes it or not, you know between you and God how serious you are about this. I know one thing. This guy that's standing in front of you right now wants to make it to heaven. And I know one thing. I'm going to do whatever it takes in my spirit to make it to heaven. And however much repenting I have to do for the rest of my life, I'm going to repent as many times as I need to to make it. Because I would rather have a hope than to have absolutely nothing at all. Are you hearing me? I mean, you can just give it up and you can give, you give in to guilt and you can let your spirit be wounded and you can just go backslide and go to the nearest bar or get the nearest cocaine or whatever you want to do. And you're going to go to hell for sure. But if I can repent and have a hope, I'm going to repent and have a hope. God help us to understand that. Sin not confessed can bring hell this side of eternity that cannot be told. Cain's pain was greater, the Bible said, than he could bear in Genesis 4.13. Saul's black despair drove him to consult a witch in his great grief in 1 Samuel 28.15. Ahithophel and Judas chose strangling as a cure for their pain in 2 Samuel 17.23 and Matthew 27.3. They tasted only a drop of hell, but the excruciating torture of that punishment was far too much. How much more the full dose for eternity. You think what I'm saying. If what Judas did could drive him to hang himself, Ahithophel the same way, if it could drive them to kiss, kill themselves, that's this side of eternity. How much more? That, that was a taste of the hell, the guilt, what they felt, what they had done. What will hell truly be like? Do you rule your spirit? Do you rule your spirit with wisdom? Or do your spouse and family know the little setbacks of life put you in an irritable mood or silent depression when you snap at others or ignore them in your selfish withdrawal? You stop and think about how foolish that really is, what childishness that is. We need to all grow up today. We need to get some healing in our spirits. Your spirit is a pain to have around, and it is sin. Rule your spirit today, and you will benefit from it if you do.
Saints may experience heaviness through many afflictions and manifold temptations, according to, to Psalm 34, 19 and 1 Peter 1, 6. But the, but the Lord will deliver out of them all. Joy, the Bible says, will come in the morning. There is always a hope of joy if you rule your spirit because the promise of joy in the morning is always there. It's always there. Our Lord faced greater darkness, adversity, and agony in Gethsemane than our little minds can possibly picture. Yet with sweat like blood dropping from His brow, He found comfort and strength in doing His Father's will. According to Luke 22 and Mark 13, He looked ahead to the joy before Him and He endured the calamities of the cross. According to Hebrews 12 and 1. And, and, and hear me now, will you crumble today from slow traffic? Pulled out tonight in the right lane. I haven't. This hasn't happened to me in years. Now this is in the evening time, and there shouldn't be anything coming from Spencer. Should be all going to Spencer. That's Robertson's way of thinking. And I waited and waited and waited, and these cars had come up, and you get this one old man who drives just in between the fast cars. You know what I'm saying? And you know, and you're afraid to take out in front of him because you're just not sure how fast he's going. So I had to pull out in the right lane, and then 476 cars got in the left lane, and they weren't going to let me in to go on to come to the church. I pulled off the road and had a self-pity party. I mean, can you put that in the same category as Gethsemane? Think about what I'm saying here. You know, can, can you put it in that? Are you going to crumble today? Or are you going to be upset because you have a disappointing career? Or maybe you had a bad hair day. I have one of those every day. Maybe you had a frustrating day at the office or at the, you know, at the factory. Uh, maybe you're a few pounds overweight. A disappointing wife or child. Maybe a fiery dart from hell that you're a loser. Oh, oh, oh that's a good one. Anybody ever had one of those? All of a sudden you're just walking around and all of a sudden, psh, pop, you're a loser. He's got a little microphone in that dart. He hits it, burns, and it goes up your ears. You're a loser. Huh? Everybody felt that? And we can believe that lie. Or we can control our spirit and say, no, I'm not, because I'm full of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to go to heaven. I'm not going to allow this to destroy me. You know, <laughs> you stop and think about all the things that can get us. You know, we can let the shame of these questions drive you to joy and strengthen the Lord for the thought of such insignificant things wounding the brothers of the Lord and disgusting. It's disgusting. But yet it happens all the time. And it happens to all of us. We need to come out of it. Some of us have naturally have that melancholy spirit. We have a bent that way, if you would. And, and, and when we have that bent, or we're bent that way, that we have that inward thinking, we need to take precautions. We have to realize when it's coming. And we have to take precautions. I need to be sure someone's praying with me and not be embarrassed to let somebody know that you do have that. 
I need somebody to pray with me to, to, to help me get this thing through. And, and folks, let, let me get one, one thing straight. I'm not going to depend on her to pray me out of my problems if I'm not trying myself. Oh, Brother Fox, pray for me. You know, and I'm not bothering to even get down on my knees. Now, if I'm fighting it on my knees I, and I get down and I'll still fight it and he's praying for me, then I'm going to get the support I need in the spirit to be able to get out of this mess. So we have to take some steps uh, and ourselves to be able to overcome some of this. Stop thinking and, and go do what you should be doing. And, we, and that's what we do. Stop thinking about it. Don't think about what you don't have. Think about what you do have. And be able, and, you, you know, if a person's looking for a job, this is this little Robertson, I've, I've been on the hiring end of things, and I've listened to what my wife said about how they do things anymore, and I can't even believe it. I, I'm so far out of it. I can't, I don't think they have bosses anymore. They're, everybody's a boss and everybody working. You don't know who to go to. You know, it's just about the way it sounds to me. 10,800 bosses, you got one Indian in the whole bunch. And you don't know who to go to. Uh, and, and you begin to think, you, you, you look at some of this, this situation, but I, I figured this out. When a person keeps pounding the pavement and knocking on my door and they need a job, I'm, I'm, I'm going to begin to look at this guy's for real. And if he's got a good attitude and a good spirit about it, he doesn't get mad or give me one of them mean looks. You know, if you don't hire me, I'm going I'm to find you some night and send my big brother Bubba after you. You know, I, I, and you, you have the right spirit. It, it's it's a, all up to how we act. It makes all the difference when it comes to anything that we do. If you can get a hold of your spirit and you can keep joy in your life, whatever you t- decide that you want to do, you can do. And I believe that with everything that's within me. I know you can do it. I know that can make a difference because people like to be around somebody that's got the right kind of spirit. You want to be a soul winner? Have the right spirit. Don't go up and ask somebody for a Bible study with a frown on your face saying, well, you'll probably turn me down anyway. Go believing that God's going to open the door there. And if He doesn't open the door there, He'll open the next door. It's all in how we adjust ourselves to do it. Stop, stop, don't think so much. Start doing more. Get outside yourself. Block out others. Is, you know, blocking out others is foolish. You need people. Use your, your wife, your family, your brethren for counsel and comfort. Go to the Lord in prayer and find His peace that passes all understanding according to Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And keep your heart with all diligence. Rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Er, <clears throat> rejoice. Earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. Absolutely. There's no sorrow here that heaven cannot heal. Oh, my. I took more time. Anybody got one question? One question. One comment. Complaints. You can see my complaint staff. At Lori. Okay. Questions, comments? Got a question or comment? Good stuff. Clear as mud. Does it make a difference? You understand what I'm saying? And you understand how that can affect revival. It can really affect revival. How many want to be honest enough to say you've dealt with a wounded spirit? How many has dealt with it? Okay. And the rest of you that haven't gotten it, God's going to give you the relief that you need.
You believe that in Jesus' name? Stand with me. Let's raise our hands together right now. Let's ask God to help. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your blessings. We ask God that you would move and strengthen us, be with us. God, every wounded spirit that is in this place that has still not completely been affected, uh, God, I pray your healing power and your healing virtue right now, Lord, over each and every one. Let them feel your touch. Let them feel it and know, God, you're going to be there. I ask now, knowing that you will do this, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Lord bless you. Shake four people's hands.